alive and watching postseason hope rocket through the hands and legs of the keeper. It's the Vocal Minority Podcast. Are those squids? Uh, I could go for some calamari. Oh yeah. Grilled? Do you want grilled or do you want are you want battered? Yes. Raise your voice. Good answer. All right. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Vocal Minority Podcast, the podcast that can't believe they asked about tassels instead of fringe on the survey. Honestly. Crazy. Crazy. I disappointed. Uh, on this week's show, we look at a slowly imploding TFC, talk about the KMPL playoff race, Ooh. celebrate the Canadian XNT, get happy about TFC too, that's right, and more. And now to this week's panel. Happy that one of his teams is doing well. Say hello to Mark Hinckley. I mean, it really depends on how we're going to like cast that net. But uh, I know that's that's why the question. I'm, Mark? I'm, you know what? Honestly, if that team in question, which I suspect is what you're talking about, it is, um, choose to lose the rest of the season and get relegated, <laughs> I say I'm okay Go for with it. it because. They did two things that I wasn't expecting to do at all this season. That was beat teams I hate. So, well done, guys. There we go. Uh, from torontofc.com backslash tilde underscore TFC2 exclamation mark, please join us in welcoming our very special guest panelist who's not been with us for far too long. Far too long. Gentleman James Grossi. Wow, wow. Hello, hello. Yeah, it has been way too long. The hamstrings like, are, are feeling fit as a fiddle, so I think I'm uh, good to engage. Oh, uh, must be that hamstrong bracelet you have. <laughs> I have two of them, one for each one. Oh, oh, see, wise, very wise. Um, our two resident Brits are just too sad to podcast today, so I gave them the day off. They might be back next week. We'll see. Um, as for me, uh, the first X game against LA just about broke me. I'm not sure I will ever do that again. <laughs> I am your host, Kristen Knowles, and now to our show. All right, well, first up is, as per usual, what's been going on, and we are going to start off with TFC and uh, the not-so-great week that they had. So... You know, let's go to the X homestand and everyone gets to like have some fun. And yeah, there was some nice videos of the players doing fun things. And then there were the games themselves and they did not go as planned. So the Wednesday night match, the return of Vanny, the return of Victor Vasquez, um, the return of Raheem Edwards secret agent routine Raheem Edwards um and not the return of either Eric Zavaleta or Mark slash Marky Delgado because neither of them were there um that, you know was one of those matches both of the matches during the X were going to be you know heavily underscored uh with extra emotion extra meaning not just because uh, Toronto is fighting for its playoff life, as is LA, uh, not just because Montreal is having one of the best seasons of its existence, if not its best season. Um, 
so on and so forth. There's just, there was a lot to play for on a variety of levels. And you certainly saw that in, I think in both matches, there was definitely uh, an intensity. Uh, there was, you know, you could tell most of the time, uh, at least from some players that they were very much, you know, head in the game and this meant a lot. Um, and that's certainly that always results in scrappiness um, and uh, people trying to waste time. <clears throat> Chicharito. <clears throat> Sorry, it's something in my throat. Um, but okay? yeah, yeah, I'll be fine. Okay. Uh, someone will help me up. It'll be okay. But we'll talk about the LA match first. Um, I do have a question though, and I want to get this one out of the way before we actually talk about the match itself. So I was at the match um, and you know, lovely evening, thoroughly enjoyable time until, you know, the 89th minute. Um, but I was surprised. Again, I'm not, I'm not highly offended. I'm not like, oh my God, this is like the worst thing the team has ever done. How dare they? But I admit for a team that loves ceremony and loves a video presentation and an all for one video moment and all of these things um and like you know like there's not we don't have a ton of great history to capitalize on right so the fact that they didn't even have like a tiny video or even just a little welcome back greg fanny like anything at all did surprise me again i'm not like angry about it i was just i was fully expecting it i was expecting them to do something just because that's what the club normally does. They do things like that. Um, you know, shout out to Vanny for coming to the South End to clap the supporters after the match and to give them a chance to celebrate him. That was lovely. Um, he was the only one that didn't. You know, we didn't see Vasquez. We didn't see anybody else, but he did. That was great. But do you think, like, were TFC, like we talked about this last week, and with James, obviously you weren't here. Do you think were TFC wrong? not to honor Vanny or were you surprised that they didn't? Uh, I think we were all sort of expecting something, you know, what, what form that was going to take, um, how they accomplished sort of tiptoeing the line of, of like respecting where the current team is right at the moment. Cause I think that was, I think that's what made it a difficult decision. Um, you know, if this game comes in May, you know, and we're not talking about the playoffs and we're not talking mm -hmm. about must-win games, I think it's a little bit easier to to step outside the four corners of that 90 minutes and be like, hey, let's let's have a special little thing. Um, but I'm, I'm on the whole, I'm cool with it. As you said, you know, it's it's really important that you, that you celebrate your history. And so when somebody comes back to the club who who played such a massive role in, in the success of, of the recent history, then it's, it's important to acknowledge that. And I think, you know, I, there's so many things that are going through my mind in terms of how this sort of played out the way that it did. I would love to know, and, and I'm sure it's something we'll be talking about, you know, as, uh, as the season wraps up of sort of how those decisions were made and stuff like that. I'm, you know, just based on my, on my interactions with Greg over the, the years that he was here in Toronto, I don't know that he would have wanted that big video board celebration. It would have felt a little bit, you know, almost it, almost inappropriate given the fact that these were two teams that, that were very much fighting for their lives okay. at this current time, you know? And so, you know, I'm sure that the day will come where, where he's in town as a civilian 
you know, maybe when he's coaching the U.S. men's national team or something like that and he's here scouting somebody, that there'll be a better time to to put some focus on him and not on two teams that are, are fighting over a really valuable three points. It's a, it's a tricky one. You know, you sort of want to, you want to recognize that history and you want to recognize what he does. But at the same time, I, I kind of feel like not making a big deal of it and Greg having his moment with the supporters and, you know, the galaxy trained up at the BMO training ground the day before. So, so they, they got a chance to say hello to a lot of, a lot of the people that had been important. And I know, you know, behind the scenes at the match, there were a lot of people there, um, you know, saying hello to Greg and his staff and everybody there. And, and just to correct the record, uh, Zavaleta was indeed in town. He just wasn't in. Oh, was he in town? Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't see. I didn't see anything on his um, on his socials. Now I didn't go searching that deeply, so um, I may not have just looked on the right day. That's fair. Um, I feel like there could have been a. Like not not like an elaborate three minute video tribute to some of his favorite music or anything like that. Like it it could have just been, you know, um it could have been something as simple as when they're, you know, announcing the starting lineup. Like just because they always do it kind of like that. Yeah, like that's sort of I think thing, that's like, even you know, when I covered, thought they just like slide in, just like a little right. It didn't it doesn't like like all to me, what would have been perfectly enough and acceptable would have been as he's as he's running down, you know, number so blah 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 summer blah 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 blah, and coach for Los Angeles Galaxy, you know, and then throw like right there, he can ramp up, you know, TFC championship winning coach Greg Vanny, like just really like give it the wrestling heave ho and and just kind of stir up the crowd like oh yeah don't forget and that's it no graphic no lap of honor no mm-hmm. framed photo none of that shit we can do that another time when he announces his retirement from the game completely that's that's a good time for it but just a, a little something something it didn't have to be a thing like it didn't and the fact that the fact that vanny you know took his time and 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 you know, shook the hands of everyone in the academy and went over to the supporters and like, like there clearly was an appetite to show some love. And it wasn't Toronto FC who tried to do anything about it. They were, if anything, they, they barely facilitated in the, fe- in the sense that they had a game. They had a game and they just so happened to be at home and this could happen. So I don't know. I, I feel like, James James is right. There's gonna there will be a better opportunity, but there could have been just I don't know, like even a like I said, even even if it was just the announcer saying that would be enough of a club acknowledging the fact that he's back and he's here and hey we we hope you're doing good. That kind of thing. I was just curious. Yeah, like I said, it's it's again, it's done now, so it doesn't matter. Um maybe Maybe next year they'll 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 do something. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, but the game itself. So mm-hmm. again, the game wasn't all terrible. It, it was just it was very unfortunate the way it ended um, in a very what felt like a very TFC esque manner um, to to lose not well you know you know lose the two points you know at the death that kind of thing um especially after you had um 
you know, Bernadeski again uh, on a tear doing lovely things, but to have, you know, Jimenez get his first goal in forever, you know, like that was, that was massive. And like the team has been actively trying to get him a goal. <laughs> like it's been, it's been a concentrated group effort, certainly by Bernadeski. Like you can see it whenever they're on the pitch together. And the man is like, Jesus, Jesus, over here. Sending you the ball, sending you the ball. Like it's been, and which is nice to see. It's nice to see that his teammates are trying to get him back. You know, you know, he's, it's been, God, it had been two months, two months since he scored a goal. It's crazy. Wow. Um, so there was, there was definitely, you know, some strong play. Um, Richie being Richie, uh, secret agent Raheem helping this, helping this, helping his former side out, which was hilarious. Um, and again, a little bit scrappy, some silly fouls, blah, blah, blah. Luckily, actually, that not much came from the silly fouls. So that was actually a, a very good thing. Um, the ref kept, uh, certainly kept his cards in his pocket for much of the match. So I thought that was really interesting. But, um, you know, there was times when I think stuff could have happened and didn't. So I thought that was, you know, I guess a positive thing, but um, like, it wasn't, I didn't leave that match thinking, ah, we're boned now. You know, I was like, okay, there was some good things on display in that there was some good play there. Um, you know, at least one of those goals was just like, well, there's absolutely nothing you can do against that. Like just, you just look at it and applaud the opposition player for being talented and be, anno- be annoyed. Um, but pretty much, you know, but the match itself, I didn't feel was terrible. Gentlemen. I didn't think, uh, I didn't think that, that Toronto, I mean, I don't feel like Toronto deserved to lose the game. That's for yeah. sure. Um, they, they held their, you know, they held their composure. They, they looked good. It was a very attacking game that they were playing. Um, you know, it's it's just it's kind of weird to see that LA scored both of their goals from nowhere near the 18 yard box. Um, in incredible shots, that would be difficult for anybody to say. Um, I thought I thought it was it was a bit unjust. I kind of felt like they deserved the three points, uh, but Galaxy doing Galaxy things shouldn't have surprised me as much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I. I I thought uh, I thought everybody played well. Um, I, I hope uh, I hope Chicharito doesn't have to go through the amputation. As that <laughs> um, man could lose his arm, and you know thoughts and prayers. Um, but otherwise, aside from that malarkey, yeah, it was it, it was it was unfortunate. I really it. I don't think there was a person in uh, uh, in that stadium who thought that, that oh we're gonna blow this. And it would it would literally take a wonder goal to turn it on its head, and it did. Yep. Yeah. So sucks. They but they look good. I'll take that. Just uh, the next day, we were back up at the training ground uh, twenty four or forty eight hours after the match because they had had the, the Montreal game coming up. Uh, Bob was telling us that uh, he was giving us his his view on sort of what happened there in the box with Michael and 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 Chicharito and, and Richie. And, and Bob said that he doesn't know that he'd ever seen a player 
holding another guy up to prevent him from diving in the box <laughs> to uh, to try and win his side of red card. So Michael had his sort of arms under the armpits of Chicharito, not letting him go down for an extended period there. And that's kind of what led to that, to that humorous situation that's sort of done the rounds here. So I thought that was a, uh, you know, some good insight from the coach, a little bit of behind the scenes knowledge. Nice, and, nice. I'll take that. Oh, yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> I think if I look at the big picture for TFC, and that's that's always where I sort of go, is that, um, you know, Bob has been talking about what it takes to, to become a good team and all the sort of hard work that you have to put in behind the scenes. And, you know, the trend over this last couple of months is we're seeing TFC head in a lot in a good direction, but there are still those moments where we see lapses, you know, and this game was an example of that where, you know, you're, you're doing well through the first half hour. Or so you give up a, a dicey free kick. I think we were all glad that Victor Vasquez didn't end up taking it. Uh, Cause that would have stung a little bit too much, but you know, Douglas Costa does his thing, puts the galaxy in front. And one of the things that you have to do to become a good team is, is respond well to going behind. And, you know, that's something we saw TFC do. do. Jesus, you know, scores his goal. Everyone's happy for that. Uh, Bernardeschi capitalizes on secret agent Raheem's uh, penalty kick to put TFC ahead. And, you know, another thing that good teams do is they, they know how to close out games. And, you know, this for I've lost count of the number of times that, that Toronto has fallen asleep a little bit from a throw in yeah. on a play that doesn't look dangerous at all. And once more, that comes back to sort of sting them. And so... You know, the number of things that you could say are a microcosm of TFC season, and that's something we'll talk about a bit more when we dive into this Montreal game. But that was just another another element of – and this was something Bob talked about after that Montreal game was that to be a good team, sometimes there are moments where you need to take that next step forward. And TFC's sort of been in, in a holding pattern in that regard, and they haven't found that way to – to lead from from first minute to last, to be in control of games, and to make sure that that they're limiting the opposition's chances, and that when you have a lead, you see out a, a game. And uh, you know, it was a wonder strike by Ricky Pooch, or however it is that we're saying it, but or Pooch, I believe it is. But uh, you know, as a team, when you're up to one at home on a big night like that, when when your playoff lives are at stake, you you need to see that out. And so that was just another another moment where the team was at that precipice of taking that next step and they weren't able to. Yes, 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 and yes. Um, so yeah, we'll get into it a little more deeply in a minute. So let's, let's, okay. So let's, 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 let's talk about the Montreal match. Although I will say, sorry, I do have to, I do have to just, I get why people like the X to a degree. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God! It's trying to get out of there Wednesday night. Like seriously, I'm still traumatized. I, I, I genuinely I, wasn't sure where you were going to go with this until you said the the X. I'm like, oh okay, yep. Go I on. I just I just you know it's uh, there were so many people. There were so many people, and I didn't. I wasn't going towards. I wasn't heading to Liberty Village. I was not. I'm not that stupid. Um, there was no fucking way I was going anywhere near uh, the tunnel or the go trap. Eh, no, no. On a regular day, on a regular match, I try to avoid that stuff because nightmare. Um, so I was headed straight out for the Prince's Gates, up Strawn, catch my bus, which was also a mistake because I forgot about the bus has to still go through Liberty Village. 
<laughs> um, but so many people, so many people. My trip home was absolutely pleasant. What time did you leave the stadium? <laughs> the extra half hour or 45 minutes of sticking behind for post-match stuff does make that a little bit that easier to deal with. probably made it much easier to deal with. Um, and what then I, made, I made the executive decision of taking the GO train because I live out near Danforth GO. Oh, and well so then. That's... I just hopped on the GO train. Yes, got well. home in a reasonable hour, so I mean, you probably, got home, you probably got home before I did. I bet you you got home before I did. It's entirely possible. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it just holy crap that traumatized me. Um. And I I I forget that there are reasons why I try to avoid the X Games, especially the ones that are at night. Um. Because everyone's leaving at the same time. Ah, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um. So Montreal. So this was like, this was the big match out of the two, even though probably the one against LA was honestly the more important um, because you had a, a comparable opponent. Um, and people can talk about who Montreal has been taking their points from this season, but regardless of all of that, they've been solidly up near the top of the Eastern Conference. They have one of the best road records uh, in the East in the league. Only I think the energy drinks are better. Um, they have looked good. Like it, it pains me. It pains me to say all these nice things about Montreal. It is, it is, it is annoying. I was at my friend's house watching this match because I did not go because Wednesday traumatized me. Um, and they were laughing at me because I kept having to say nice things about Montreal because they're annoyingly likable. There's so many players on that team that I enjoy on variety of levels not just the canadian players you know obviously kai kamara but you know i like wilfred nancy i'm happy for him like it, i just this is this is this is i don't know what i don't know this is covid universe darkest timeline but yeah so no no it's the growth of the game in the country you know? yeah whatever I hate that stupid growth um anyway I was so hoping you were match, going to say. I was hoping you were going to say growth in Kristen's personal development. That's what I thought he was going to say too, Kristen. You're also, finally growing. Also, I hate which, so. Which also would Let's be accurate. Go. We're so proud of you. You've come so far. Thank you, thank you. I, I, you know, it, it was bound Let's to happen. Go. Let's not go that far. <laughs> I'm saying I can't grow. Is that what you're saying, Jeeves? Oh, no, no. Just, just, just because you're not here for me to throw a carrot at you. I'm just, um, I'm just waiting for you to make that next step. You're right at the precipice. It's just that next step. Which is what? <laughs> Don't say it. I feel this just went dark. And yeah, I really did. I'm like, let's let's turn back to you know just general football darkness. Yes. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so, but this is this is always a massive game. It's our biggest rival. We have such a storied history with them. Games are always fraught with something, um, even when there's nothing on the line. And in this case, obviously there was, and um, you could see that from the get-go um very early you know penalty amazing um and then beautiful goal and yeah, whatever nice goal from insigne um up to nil dream start again it's a lovely day everyone's happy the you know it was a it was a pretty full stadium i still think wednesday night's match had more people. Um, it was the last long weekend of the summer, so on and so forth. Um, 
you know, things are looking good. Things are looking exciting for about 15 minutes. And then very, very quickly, the wheels started to come off and the defensive breakdowns and the midfield issues. Oh, the midfield. Um, and again, there's a lot of players playing in that midfield that I like. It's just, anyway. Um, so Kamal Miller, damn you, Kamal Miller. Um, a nice goal. And then Mahalovic, I don't care about him. He's annoying. Um, and then before the half, you know, okay, so it's 2-2. Two, two. All right, we just have to get out of the half. Just have to get out of the half without another goal. Oh, no, Sky Kamara, who's been trying to score a goal for like 10 minutes and has come close every single time. It's been obnoxious. It's Kai it's still. Um, and it just, it, just, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And you could see... Um, you could see how disjointed they were getting, how that Toronto was just like, they were really chasing the game at this point. And um, that second goal, actually, I think the Mihaljevic goal kind of was like, I think that sucked it out of them because after that, it was all Montreal. It was just, you know, waves of Montreal, basically. And even like some really good individual efforts, um, you know, and, and you know what, it's, it's funny. I say, I was about to sit, talk about uh, Kushito, who I love, uh, absolutely adore him. And what a, what a signing he's been. He was, uh, to me, he was off his game. That was the, that was the least impressive I've seen him. And he still played well. He still had a good match. Um, but it was, uh, it was just, yeah, I don't know. And, and then it just, it, like I said, it just kept getting worse. Second half, TFC completely incapable of responding, of adjusting. Like, they could not, they could not figure anything out. And it was frustrating to see, to see the, the, the even with, like, the, the subs, the subs did almost nothing. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I find myself really bemused by this match in general like again Montreal again very good side very well coached side that was very clear like Bob Bradley got out coached on on Sunday um but to see the to see the lack of to see how they how easily they lost focus um and lost cohesion I think is what is that thing that keeps cropping up over and over. And yes, you've had a lot of changes, a lot of turnover in this side. And this year, I, I consider this year to be like a write-off year anyway. So as long as development continues to happen, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm good with them missing the playoffs um, because I want the young players to continue to develop. I want the Italian players to continue to form bonds with the younger players, but I want, I want the midfield back. I have no idea what's happening with it because everybody is injured or something. Um, and the younger players while improving are having a lot heaped on their shoulders. And if anyone dare says another bad word about Jaden Nelson, I will challenge them to a duel. Um, She's got weapons, people. It's, I do. And it's not it's the not carrots. Just carrots. It's not it's the not, carrots. Oh, it's not just carrots. Nope. Um, anyway, so I realized I just babbled on for like 10 minutes here. Um, but thoughts, gentlemen? Um, I think you're right. It, it, was a, it was a strange one. But I, I think that thing that you couldn't quite put your finger on was 
was, you know, the difference that that confidence and momentum and that trust in themselves and each other bring to a team that's that's found some success. You know, like seeing Crescito get get unnerved a little bit by what was going on, and, and Bernardeschi was uh, as uncomfortable as he'd been out there, and, and same mm-hmm. with Insigne and and everybody else. It's um, that goes back to what I was saying before about becoming a good team. There, there comes a point where, where when Montreal went down to nothing, they didn't hang their heads. They didn't think the game was over. They weren't haunted by, you know, a, a long season of disappointment the way that TFC has been at times. And this is something that we've seen over the past couple of years. This isn't even just this year. Uh, that's that's the difference between a good team and, and a, a not as good team in this league. You know, last year. Last year, I remember asking Javi Perez, you know, what if he could put a percentage difference between, you know, the teams at the top of the table and the teams at the bottom of the table? Because in in this pro game, you know, there's not a lot of difference between between mm-hmm. a team that's that's excelling and a team that isn't. Like, look at New England this season. Look at the number of times that a defending champion hasn't been able to find that same mojo that that got them through. Look at Columbus as well. You know, there's there's something special that happens inside a team when you've had those 15, 20, 25 games together where things mm-hmm. are going well and you know that you can handle a situation versus a team that, you know, has had, you know, TFC was on a pretty good roll. They've had a, a pretty good run this past little while. I was digging yeah. up some stats and, you know, in the last nine games, TFC's taken 16 or 27 points. Right? Exactly which is a little bit under two points per game. It's 1.78. Montreal's points per game on the season is 1.79. So those little factors of, of being comfortable with each other and knowing that this is something you're capable of, that's what sees a team through the long marathon that is a season. And I think that's what we saw on Saturday when, when TFC couldn't handle Montreal's response to their good start, whereas Montreal could handle TFC's opener. You know, and and I alluded to this earlier, but we saw all those same frailties that, that have plagued TFC this year come to the front and come all at the same time. You know, the, the Kamal Miller goal that you mentioned was, was the second phase of a corner kick, something that TFC has been absolutely dreadful at dealing with this year. Good Lord. You know, Mihailovic's goal and Kamara's goal were, were a combination of, you know, some poor defending and you, you got to close down Mihailovic when a guy is in that sort of position and you can't let Kamara win that ball. If you have to punt it out of the stadium, that's what you do. And, and poor goalkeeping, you know, Alex is, Alex is a good MLS keeper as much as people like to pin the blame on him right now, but there are times when, when he can do better on certain shots and, you know, I'm sure he is he is the first one to raise his hand and say that, that he could have done better on both of those goals. And then, you know, the, the fourth goal was just horrible transition control. You know, Montreal just carved through TFC like they were butter. And and you you knew what Montreal were going to do watching the game from up in the press box. You knew what Montreal were going to try and do. And, and they just imposed themselves on TFC in that moment. And TFC were powerless to stop it. And, you know, those are all issues that have been that have been something that Toronto has been aware about all season that have that have caused draws and losses earlier in the season. And it was just something that a team that is confident in itself 
can can deal with those things and can see those things coming and can handle them. And a team that is still finding that in themselves will have days where they can't. And this was a day where they just couldn't they just couldn't deal with it. That's yeah. Yeah, that's super I don't know if I'm gonna do better than that. Um I think it's because they don't like to play on weekends. Um <laughs> no I like I did. There was a there was a big split in the locker room over whether ketchup mustard or mustard mustard ketchup ice cream or mustard ice cream was better. Yeah. So I mean that, well, that I was mean, obviously a fact. Well, whoever's choosing for those things, yeah, you know what? Long, 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 hard look in the mirror. You got an off season. Think about what you've done, choices you've made, the positions you've <laughs> held. What the hell's wrong with you? No, um, the one thing that you you you, you kind of touched on is a like that whole, uh, you know, good teams know how to, like, they know themselves. They know how to uh, kind of fight from, fight back adversity, knowing how to deal with that. I don't think, you know, Toronto, Toronto hasn't had enough momentum to know what that looks like. And the la- that lack of momentum, like, I, it feels like half of the team has a fight in them, but not everybody has the fight. And, it varies from game to game sometimes. Like, I, it seems like the, um, you know, Insigne and Bernadeschi and some of the forwards have have fight in them all the time, no matter what the scoreline is. But, you know, you need more than three or four guys to make something happen, especially when you're down by two, when you're down by one, when you're down by three. It's It's... It's tough uh, to basically, if you can't convince everybody to, you know, get on my back, I'll carry this, then you're not, there's no push. Like there's no concerted effort going forward to kind of like regroup, focus, get back to your basics, get back to what you know, and play your game your way. And uh, you can, it's not quite a head dropping. Like it's not like they're, when it was when it was uh, four two, I didn't see heads drop. At the beginning of the season, I feel like we've seen heads drop after one nil. So like, this is kind of like it's good, and I can see why they have hope. But hope is not enough. There there has to be like that, not an attitude adjustment, but that belief that mm-hmm. that buy that buy in of each other from the new signings all the way to the kids all the way to the that murky middle there has to be a buy-in and and that that self-belief so i don't know if there's enough of a runway left for them to take off because this is because the season's running short now uh but i i still kind of believe so I think I think they're probably done. It's such a de- it's such a it's but again, it's MLS literally anything can happen. They are not mathematically and not even like infinitesimally mathematically not out of it. They are, you know, there's still an opportunity here. Um I think but the, the one thing and we can talk about it now or we can talk about it when we're looking uh ahead to the match um against Atlanta this weekend where they've caught in a bit of a nice break, but then they got completely destroyed on their own. Um, yeah, we won't talk about those guys. Let's talk about, let's talk about the midfield. Let's talk about um, the absence of Jonathan Osorio and Mark Anthony K. And 
what that has meant because that's been a big loss. And again, I'm massive fan of Jaden Nelson. Um, I've been delighted to see Noble Okello get some minutes um, now that he's worked his way back from injury. That kid has such a future. Um, nobody that tall should have feet that soft. Um, you good, now, you, now, now you're in defeat. <laughs> James, you heard her, right? You heard her. <laughs> I no didn't comment. edit this out. It's <laughs> Why did I walk into these things? Because it was feet, Kristen. <laughs> so many things make sense. I'm going to go back and listen to some of the old episodes. I feel like no, this- please don't. No, don't. Feet. Okay. No, stop it. All right, go on. Go on with your podiatrist way. <laughs> um. Anyway, I, you know, again, I'm I'm delighted to see. You know, minutes being given, and I'm I'm delighted to see play improve. Um, you know, Jaden Nelson's progression through the season, um, to me, has been lovely. He's uh, I mean, he's one of my favorite players. But anyone who's listened to this podcast for the last couple of years knows that. Pete. But um, but Osorio not being there, uh, and and Mark Anthony K. I was very excited for Mark Anthony K. to come to Toronto. Thought it was great that he was going to get to play under Bob Bradley again, where he's played arguably his best football. Um, and you know, whatever to come home, blah blah blah, that sort of thing. Always lovely. But having both of them missing has definitely, I think, slowed the progress of this team. And you you certain matches where you're just like, if only. Um, and yeah, certainly, you know, if you're a good team, but if you're a team that needs like those levels of transition in your squad, where you have like these young players that are just, you know, just coming along, just learning their positions, you have your vets, but like not your older vets, you have like your medium level vets. And I put Osorio and Mark Anthony K in that. I'm not talking about ability. I'm talking about how long they've played. Um, so, you know, your younger vets, and then you've got your superstars slash older vets, right? And those are like your three levels on a well-balanced team as far as I'm concerned, because you always want to have all those transitions. You want to have young players that are going to become young vets. You want your young vets to turn into like the older savvy vets with your superstars. And sometimes those are all the same person and that's true. But I think really missing um, that attacking transition play uh, through the midfield, a little savvier, a little more knowledge, a little more willing to take shots um you know nelson still he's getting better he's getting better he's actually like you know trying now that sort of thing but it's not the same the finesse isn't there yet still some rough edges um and there's still we don't james do you if you have any knowledge that you're allowed to share with us about Osorio, uh, mark anthony case finally making his way back to the side um but it might be too late um but we'll see on the weekend, he's definitely going to end up playing, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, I think that has been goalkeeping woes and defensive whatever's aside. Um, I think this the, the midfield issue has been something that I've actually been talking about for most of the season. So I think it's really been apparent uh, this last month or so. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I think, you know, the only 45 minutes that we've seen Michael Bradley... Jonathan Osorio, Mark Anthony Kay, and the Italians on the pitch were the 45 minutes in the first half against Charlotte. 
and uh, in the first meeting at BMO Field, and that was, you know, the half-four TFC scored four goals and absolutely steamrolled them, and it was sort of a, a glimpse of what was possible with, mm-hmm. with all the additions that the club had made to the team. Like, the fact that that's the only 45 minutes that all those guys have been on the pitch together uh, definitely puts in... in um, it, it makes you wonder what would have been possible if, if they had used that game as a launching point in the way that, that they meant to yeah. um, and, and actually been able to build on that with a consistent 11. But, I mean, it goes a lot deeper than that in terms of the whole season. Like, those two guys are, are just a, a sample of, of some of the things that the team's been missing over the course of the mm-hmm. year. Definitely. Um, and to your question about what we know, we don't know a lot. TFC's sort of evolved into this lower body, upper body injury report thing. And, and Bob Bradley's pretty tight lipped when it comes to, to giving away, you know, too much information. Uh, it sounds like, like Mark is back. He, he was, uh, you know, he, he came on in the second half on the yep. weekend against Montreal. Uh, he spoke today at training. Usually that means that a guy's available to play. Although Mark spoke about, you know, 10 days ago as well and wasn't available. So you sure, know, sure. that, throw that rule of trade out the window, I suppose. Uh, and also, we're just sort of waiting until he feels better. That's that's sort of pretty much all the club has been willing to say is that he hasn't hasn't been feeling like himself. And you have to take you have to take that into account when a guy's going to go out there and exert himself for 90 minutes. And so we're sort of in the dark in terms of what exactly the problem is. And you just sort of have to hope that whatever's whatever's troubling him comes uh comes around quickly and he gets back out there, not just for TFC, but for Canada uh, with the World Cup coming up. I think, um, you know, something I've been thinking about a lot with the kids and, and I I try to avoid it, but so much of my my insight into this game comes from comes from the days of covering Greg Vanny that, you know, he used to talk about, he was very high on a lot of the prospects that the club had, but, you know, he was not great when it came to giving guys minutes. You know, mm-hmm. the... Oh yeah, the two or th- the two or three years there where TFC were really flying. You know, we kept hearing about these guys, and, and they never got chances. You know, Liam Fraser. It was Liam very Frazier frustrating. I'm still angry yeah. about it. I think the only guy who really broke through was Ralph Prizo, and, and Ralph was just fantastic that that season when he when he made his debut in September and sort of pushed pushed the team uh, into the playoffs. It didn't end mm. quite the the way that the club would have wanted, but uh, you know yeah. now he's moved on to Colorado, but something that Greg would say was that for young players, you can't just throw four or five young players out there in the lineup and expect them to, to flourish. You know, you have to have a team structure built around them. That's, that's uh, aware of the way that you want to play and can sort of not, not carry the guy through the game, but sort of be where they're supposed to be to, to provide a framework, that sort of support mm. structure out there on yeah. the pitch and, you know, a lot of the young guys this year, that hasn't been the case. You know, this is still a team figuring themselves out. This is a team that's gone through a couple couple of tweaks in terms of the way that they play, where, you know, they started out the year where, you know, Pozuelo was was supposed to be a two-way player, and they, they tried to make that work, and then they decided that couldn't work, and then everything was going to go through Pozuelo. And then, so when you're, when you're trying to find your identity as a club and, and trying to work you know, all of that was done with an eye to Insigne arriving in the middle of the summer and maybe another edition or two, which we ended up seeing. So if you don't have a solid 
it's not just a solid idea, but a solid framework around which those players can can make their little mistakes and still be protected by the structure of the whole. Then it's sort of uh, it's sort of risky. Not not risky in like a you know this is going to end anybody's career or anything like that, but risky in the sense that you're not really giving them the support that'll that'll allow them to to take those big steps that you sort of have to take and to to feel comfortable doing. You know, Jaden. Jaden said to sort of, you know, tiptoe without a net in a lot of ways. He's mm-hmm. been thrust into a really important minute for a club that that had high ambitions. And, you know, I, we're all impressed by all the things that he can do. You know, there are times when you want to see a bit more end product for it. That, you know, early in the season, as you said, it's something that has gotten a lot better recently. He He had that knack for sort of beating a guy and then waiting so he could beat the guy again. Yeah, and like that's not that's not what you want. At this and he was level. always looking for that pass, level. and you're like, no, no, you're there. Don't pass it. Yeah. Just do something with it. Yeah. What you want in this level is to create the advantage and then exploit it. You exactly. Know? Like you have to be you have to be quick when it comes to making those decisions and getting the guy off balance and getting in position to put the cross. You have to put that cross in right away because the other team's going to recover quickly. And so we've seen Jaden take big steps in that, but for for a lot of this season, it wasn't quite the the optimal situation for young players to, to sort of develop. And I, I'm a little bit lost on how we ended up talking about the young guys, but I'm still working on my my sort of analogy to sum up the season. I don't think it's over quite yet. I I've learned uh, from being around this team for the last couple of years that. You know, you don't you don't count them out until they're mathematically out. And they're certainly not going to be approaching it like that. And then even when they are mathematically out, it becomes about next season and it becomes about laying that foundation and, and continuing the work they've been doing and finding finding ways to take that next step that Bob wants them to take. And so, you know, maybe now is not exactly the time to uh to get into exactly what happened this season, but uh, I'm sure there's lots of time for that. The there's at least four more games. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sure when well, the season's then... when the season's over I'll have my analogy done. It's somewhere between, you know, sled dogs not quite pulling in the same direction, but that implies a bit more of a a split vision, which I don't think is the problem. And I'm trying to build a sturdy rope from multiple threads that hasn't quite come together. I'm still working on it. So okay, all right, you you months. continue to uh, to work on that. We'll uh, we'll make sure to pen- pencil you in for the end of the season. Well, let's move on. Let's move on from TFC. Let's move on to some other more, or at least we'll talk about TFC too a little bit later. Um, but let's let's talk about Campiel for a few minutes. And uh, what can you say about Winnipeg other than hello? Very nice. The gray mice, our favorite mice. Um, How can like, you? So, are is am I hearing this correctly? Kristen now has a fourth favorite KMPL team. How many yeah, do you have? A lot. Um, but I, 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 well, they've done the thing that I said they wouldn't do, that we all said they wouldn't do, and that is uh, played themselves into a playoff position. They're in fourth, and showing a little bit of help gotten a little bit of help as we said but yeah. oh of course they have but three weeks ago would you have said this was something that was likely to happen no no no, no. it looked like we were set with uh the four teams bound for the yeah playoffs. there was still a little question maybe where the four teams would land but like that was our top four you know winnipeg 
living in that fifth spot kind of on their own, which was, which was nice. It was like, oh, look, a team on the rise. How delightful and happy that it's Winnipeg. If it can't be Edmonton, oh, Edmonton, um, then I'm glad that it's Winnipeg. Five, five teams. Stop I thought it. you wanted them gone. I well, don't. You start them again. The other two aren't here to help you. You I'm so stop confused. it. Well, if you haven't figured this shit out after all these years, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, well, you know, um, you got to stay still if I'm supposed to hit the target. Okay. <laughs> dodge and weave. Dodge and weave. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got Winnipeg now in fourth. Uh, Pacific just not being able to figure this half of the season out and which is distressing for me, obviously. Um, But you've got this really interesting sort of like switching. Now we have a top five instead of just a top four and like the top, anything, literally almost anything can happen right now, considering where, everybody's landed there's there's five points in between fifth and first and only uh in both pacific and uh aquaman and the handies uh both have whatever have the proverbial game in hand um which you know doesn't seem to work as well as everyone thinks it does um but you know pacific can't keep a goal out of their net to save their lives and hamilton i don't know we're just getting beat up by the bad luck sticks like i don't know but it's really interesting it's good it's good for the league but it's also i didn't expect any of this i mean it's definitely i mean it's good for the league for sure i mean as much as as much as my bias wants to see um Hamilton rise back and claim their rightful throne as, <laughs> as the kings of this league, dominating forever and ever. Um, I cap be damned. Yeah. I I also feel uh, I also feel like yeah. Once Kristen has covered love for all eight teams, she can always claim championship. <laughs> nope, nope. There's there's at least one that I will never. And you I know, know it. Okay. Yeah, well, they could they could change themselves to the to the cheese FC or something like that, or I carrots suppose. FC, and you'll love it. Oh, carrots. Yeah. See. But there's already an orange team. Anyway, my point is, is that like I'm, I'm from an outsider looking in that this is this has become super in- interesting. The fact that the team that had three games in hand and was sitting in second place and looking to likely, if the trends were showing what they were going to do. Uh, romp all their way to the top of the table once they made up those three games and have a comfortable lead are now not doing that because they gifted Winnipeg six whole points. Um, I still can't believe that happened. Mediocre. They look bad and whatever. Like it's trying to put my bias aside. Um, I'm in that sense. It's good because like you said, a, a fifth entrant has entered the race for the four spots, which now makes it interesting because uh, there is now that nine point sizable gap uh, between uh, fifth and sixth. So it's pretty much here we are. Um, it's not impossible that they'll close it, but they're not going to close it. Um, yeah, it's some um, makes for good like 
definitely makes for good following along from a distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's also kind of nice to see, you know, well, I mean, it's, it's weird seeing Ottawa in first place, uh, not because not for any particular reason they deserve to be there, but it's just you guys were shit. Yep. yep. So good for them. Like I, I feel like this league, because of like the talent that's kind of out there, uh, possibly untapped. I feel there's, there's, and I've said this before that there's enough. I feel like there's enough talent in Canada that you could probably add another three to six teams in this league, and they would not be the bottom three to six teams. Like they mm-hmm. would, they would instantly go into the mix. Um, so for Ottawa to find the right combination to put it together and do this and no disrespect to their coaching, no disrespect to the, the players that they've brought in. But uh, yeah, like, I mean, I, I do like to see a change. I like to see other teams. Hamilton's going to beat to win the championship. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. I think, you know, the first two years were, were forged in Cavalry's years. In this league. They were, they were clearly the class of the league and, you know, then last year we get we get Pacific sort of upsetting the two of them to earn their first round, and now this year, you know, throughout the season, it's been pretty clear that Ottawa is going to be in that tussle. And so for Valor to to look to look like they were done and dusted, and, and to to make it a five horse race heading into these this last month or so of the season is it's what you want in a league. You know, this league is all about you know giving young Canadians a chance and and helping guys you know, take that next step in their professional career. And, and the best way to do that is to have as many teams as possible competing. And so you want that ferocious competition. You want to see, like, I want to see all eight teams being involved. In, oh, I would love you know, that. that. It'd be hilarious. Well, and, and, you know, York and, and Halifax aren't that far off. I think FC Edmonton something that, that, you know, they've, they've performed admirably this season, given the situation that they find themselves in, but, you know, to have at least five teams heading into the last month when it looked like we were done and it was decided is going to be really interesting. And now, you know, not only do we have this race to sort of see who's going to be left out, we we have the the overall race of those those five teams are separated by five points. So I mean, there's going to be a lot of jockeying for position and and how that how that plays out heading into the playoffs is going to be. Know pretty fascinating to watch. I do feel I do feel a little bit for Pacific. We were, yeah. you know, heading into the season. The question was sort of how does James Merriman sort of pick up where Pamukkal left off, and and, and then losing team? players, and then losing owners, and then and then and then. Well, I think I, I think you know you can't replace a, the league's leading goal scorer when he leaves in the middle of the season. That was, you know, you, you yeah. have to tip your cap to him in terms of, you know, taking into account, into account the player's wishes and his personal situation and, and finding a way to make that happen for him. Uh, but losing your top goal scorer in the middle of the season while you're going into CONCACAF League and, you know, say what you will about about CONCACAF and the level of competition and all that sort of stuff. I, I thought Pacific played well in both their... Both oh, their so did I. I thought they acquitted the themselves one. quite nicely. But the, the the thing for me is that they don't have the depth that Forge did when Forge was doing that. And yep. so those four extra games with the travel, 
as well as, you know, picking up injuries to key guys and, and discipline. Like uh, Christian Jack tweeted out something about many Aparicio's role in the team and, yep. and the difference that he makes in, in terms of the points that they collect per game when he's available. And you know, he's picked up two red cards this year and with the CPL sort of, you know, ridiculous suspension rules, that means he's been he's been out for a, a ton of games. Uh, and so when, you, when you're a team that... that isn't quite as prepared for for international competition to the way that Forge were when they took part in it. You get those four extra games in your schedule. It's it's kind of expected that you're gonna you're gonna struggle a little bit through that. But I don't think any of us want to see them not make the playoffs. But at the same time, that's that's sort of the way things go. Is the teams that that rise at the right times are the ones that end up being there, and so. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating month to close this really season. Like, if you're not, if like, I, I hope that most of our listeners pay attention to CanPL. Um, and we don't always give them as much time on the show as maybe we should. Um, but I do hope that you are, you know, at least watching a team, if not watching, you know, multiple matches when you can, because there's some really fun football being played and it really is. And especially when you've got this kind of race down the stretch, like it's going to be, it's going to be pretty wild. Agreed. Agreed. It's, uh, it's genuinely, if anybody is listening to this and is just a neutral or hasn't paid any mind, you are doing yourself a disservice. And, and I mean that not as a forge supporter, but like, mm-hmm. You know, what I find really particular, what I find funny is um, when York United fly, they fly really good, but they don't fly that often. Like, so even, and they're in sixth. So even a team that isn't doing well has flashes of absolute brilliance. Yep. And that's the sixth place team. There are other teams. So pick, a, pick one, get on, get in. This. <laughs> um, that's why Kristen likes over half the league. Well, there, there, there. So many of them are so likable. Over half the league. Shh. I only, I. Over. I only. As what did I have jerseys for three? Over half the league. No, 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 no. I have okay. no. Um, I don't even yeah. have. I don't even have scarves for half the league. I have a Pacific scarf. I probably have a Hamilton scarf. No, I'm sure I do. Don't know how uh, you don't. I know. I'm pretty sure I do. Um, hell, I have a Hamilton kit. Thank you, Duncan. Um, I, have, I have I have a Halifax kit. I have like two kits from Pacific, three kits from Pacific. Anyway, but I have hardly any scarves. So if anybody has spare scarves from their clubs that they want to send my way, please let me know. Uh, but anyway, yes, we'll talk a little bit more about KMPL um, later on the show. Uh, but let's talk, I'm going to say briefly again, laugh to myself. Let's try to talk briefly about the uh, uh, Women's National Team, the XNT, and their recent uh, trip to the land of Oz. And what a successful one it was, which honestly was a bit of a surprise. Um, I did not expect them to win both matches. I certainly did not expect uh, Adriana Leon to be the sole goal scorer. <laughs> I'm like, laughing because that's right. I forgot that. I absolute fucking menace. Beast. Oh my absolute god! Menace. Like 
and I, and I, I, cause I was, I, I missed, I missed the Friday night match. I admit I had, I just, I, I fell asleep. I completely crashed out that night. Um, but I got up Tuesday morning very early and I was on the V's account, you know, tweeting the match and like, and I said something to this effect. It has been the resurgence of Adriana Leon these past few months has been so lovely because she had really fallen down, um, you know, the, the, the ladder, the, the, the pecking order of the, the players that were going to be, you know, like your, your go-to players, not just because of, not, not just because of her injury, but she's also had injury issues the last two, three years, but, you know, she just, it seemed like she'd either lost a step or lost her confidence and um, whether, you know, Priestman sees something different in her than Herdman did, I, 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 or, or, you know, Kenneth did, whatever. It's, it's hard to say, but she is flourishing right now. And it is, it is really quite something. It is very different. I, I am no longer concerned when she starts consistently. And, and I, I would have been a year ago. I would have been like, mm, isn't there somebody else that can start for Adriana? Like, I like her, but... But this now, like this, this focus in her game, um, this tenacity, and obviously this wonderful nose for goal. Um, but it's been, it's been really something to witness. Um, but anyways, even with all of that, like, like the, the, the X went into these matches missing multiple players. Um, Ashley Lawrence, Kadisha Buchanan, Deanne Rose, Jade Riviere, um, who else? Who else am I missing? There was, there's at least like, just like two others. Um, God, who else didn't get to, didn't, who else didn't go? Anyway, more players. They, they, they due to, due to injury, there was a couple personal situations, um, mostly due to injury, hopefully nothing major from the sounds of it. Um, but they were missing a huge chunk of the veterans. So Priestman called in, you know, a number of young players who, uh, you know, either have not had a lot of time with the senior team or have recently been brought back into the fold. Oh, and then people got injured during the tournament. So Surayeka, who I was so happy to see, and I continue to be so happy to see as part of the squad, she got injured. Uh, Quinn, they got injured, even mm-hmm. though they did come into the match on Tuesday, but then they got a knock in that match. I'm hoping they're okay because they have NWSL stuff to do and plus, you know, other... Um, national team duties leading into a world cup next year. Um, someone else, uh, not, uh, not Grosso, but uh, was it someone else got injured in that match? Anyway, it was just like, there was like, okay, can people stop getting injured uh, during the matches? That would be great. Um, but they, the first match, and I, I've seen the highlights and seen some clips and stuff like Kaylin Sheridan, who has, and again, her, her issues with her game were on display during the second match when Australia, you know, sort of adjusted their, their game plan. But the first match, like, she stood on her head. And I just love those two saves against Sam Kerr, um, who, which is not an easy thing to do because Sam Kerr is, like, lights-out talented. She's so scary. She's so scary. Love watching her. Only I prefer it when it's not against a team that I like. Um, but 
you know, to see that performance um, was wonderful. And then, yeah, on the second match, you saw like some poor distribution choices, a couple giveaways, like just, you know, just, just some lapses in concentration or some evidence that, you know, Kaylin Sheridan is not that old. She's still really a very young keeper, but she's insanely talented. She's got such a career ahead of her. Um, so that was in, in a weird way, like what's the whole point of games like this, right? Is that they're learning opportunities for um for the players and like we were talking about before we started recording like this was the first opportunity for the squad to all travel together to australia feel what see what that feels like for one thing to travel that distance to try to adjust your mindset adjust your body um they got to see the new uh the new stadium in sydney um which is fantastic looking um i know a couple of the a couple of the women from the matilda active support uh, we were talking to uh one of them lives like right nearby and she's gone she was just like actually i think she actually helped work on it she was just like it's so amazing like it's 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 nice when you see people who are that excited about a stadium design um she's just like it's so amazing so um something for them to sort of get a little sneak peek of going into the world cup next year they're going to be they're one of the first teams to have played in that stadium and on that surface and so they'll have albeit almost a year apart but they'll still have you know a sense of it um so all of those things are great but for them to come out with both wins like i'm just i'm really really impressed by by this considering all the all the struggles they had uh, going into these matches. Agreed. They, they, uh, I feel like they, uh, they definitely exceeded my expectations in the second game. I, I didn't, I did not get to catch either game because sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I made sure I watched the highlight packages and Australia was fired the fuck up for that second game oh my god that they, was scary it was it was like they i felt like if there was if this was a two-legged tie they were they were they were playing the away game australia was playing the away game you know down the street and then the home game was the second game and they were all over like so many shots so many saves and for somehow Canada to absolutely leave that game, just outright pilfer that. It's a shame there weren't points on the line because my God, they would deserve them. It was like just crazy. Uh, and that stadium looks gorgeous. Uh-huh. The, I, yeah, don't, for I, don't, me- I don't envy the Australians often, but their, their, their passion for building stadia. Mm. glorious well they love their sport down there so it's important to have uh, it's important to have stadiums that that represent the passion of the people around the place Um, I guess for me you know at the surface level it's a pair of good wins over a tough opponent you know it's um, Mm -hmm. a chance for young players to to get some minutes and to dip their toes into the, the national team pool and and the experience you mentioned of, of going to Australia ahead of the World Cup, sort of experiencing, you know, that travel and, and the, the circumstances and maybe not exactly the, um, you know, the emotional fanfare that'll be that'll be there at the World sure. Cup, but, but just to get your feet on the ground and to deal with 
the time difference and all that sort of stuff will help the next time that you do it. So all that stuff, you know, on a surface level is good and it's important. And, you know, for me, since Bev Priestman took over, um, the question has always been for this team where it finds itself right now. And, and I think it's fair to say that, you know, the success, the success that they had at the Olympics was, was a little bit unexpected. You know, you don't sort of step into the head coaching role and expect to, to win the first major tournament that you get into. Um, the question for me for this team right now was sort of how, how you go from the generation that brought so many, so many good memories and, and had such success to the next generation and how you sort of manage to keep the team moving forward while navigating that, that generational, you know, gap. Cause you know, I think it's fair to say that there are a lot of players that we're seeing in their final days. You know, Christine Sinclair can probably play until she's 50, but I don't know that she's going to want to. And eventually that day will come where, where Canada doesn't have that in their back pocket. And so yeah. the task for, for Priestman here is is to to take all of the good that's happened over the last decade and somehow funnel that into what's coming next. And, you know, that's always the challenge for the coach. It's the same the same for Bob Bradley at TFC right now is how do you, how do you progress? And so, you know, the question for me coming out of that Olympic victory was always who's going to step up and and become the replacements, whose names are going to be the names that we put up there with, with, you know, Sinclair and Schmidt and Quinn and, and everybody else who's been such a massive part of this team. And, you know, we're seeing we're seeing some signs of that. There's a lot of really good young players that have stepped on. You know, Kadisha and Ashley Lawrence. Julia uh, Grosso. Was, Julia her, Grosso. You know, her, her, her sub on in the second half of the of the second game. Immediate impact. Like what a what a difference maker she was in that, as well as a couple others. But she was like, bam. Well, Vanessa Giles has been a, a wonderful addition these past few years. You know. Yeah. Um, Fleming, we all sort of knew uh, yeah, back I when love, she came on the Jessie. scene that that she was going to be uh, she was going to be a baller. And so, oh, yeah. I think it's interesting that you mentioned Adriana Leon because she was one that that was supposed to be that next generation and yep. sort of lost her way on that path again. And you know, it's, it, without you know having spoken to her and, and knowing what's going on, you have to credit the sort of move to to England and, and getting that playing experience in that sort of. Yep football environment for for some of the success that she's had going to West Ham and now finding herself at Manchester United there's it seems like she was always a very intense character when you saw her out there on the pitch but it seems like it's refined now yeah there's there's a bit more of a point to it which is exactly yeah yeah, exactly yeah she just was kind of always like yeah a ball of energy that was just ricocheting off of everything now it's got more focus well, you could. This goes back to our conversation about Jaden Nelson. It's sort mm. of, you know, it's it's so cheesy to say about like you know players being forged in the fire of competition or whatever you want to call it. But there is, that's that's what player development and what the evolution of a career is all about is taking Absolutely. taking your your skills and learning how to apply them in a way to be the most effective. Yeah. And so you take that you take that over the the whole team and and you know these wins over Australia are. You know, nobody's going to be writing songs about them in the next few years, but these experiences are, are the sort of things that help you take those steps. And so, you know, Bev had a had a pretty big job put in front of her, and uh, you know, the Olympic gold was nice, but they have their they have their hopes set on uh, 
on the next victory and you know that world cup is coming that up massive world cup the one thing and this i didn't i'd sort of forgotten this and i i do forget this because because so much over the last year year and a half with the with the pandemic with how condensed um football became and, and how many matches and and, and the olympics and and it's you know it's recency bias but i had forgotten the extremely short amount of time that Priestman has been in charge of this side. Like it's, it's, it's just over a year. Like, time has been weird. Time like, has been weird these last few years. Or like, or I guess it's, I guess I'm sorry. It's, I guess it's coming up like a year and a half now. Um, Cause she got put in charge. Oh, maybe it's coming up on two years finally. But anyway, still like less than two years, right? Like she 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 took over in the fall of 2020. Yeah. Um, I believe. And but I saw or I heard on one of the on one of the on one of the matches when they were in Australia, um, that the number of matches that she has been in charge for the Canadian side. It's like 30 matches. 3-0. It feels like so much more. But then you re- realize the bulk of those matches were the Olympics. Because in the fall before that, they didn't play very much in 2020. And they did a little bit. They had like that, whatever, that small tournament. They had a few matches in the spring of 2021 before the Olympics. And then they haven't played that much since, you know, there's the, whatever the quote unquote gold medal tour. But I was like, I was sort of like going through everything in my head and I was like, that can't be right. But, or can it? And we talk about what Herdman has done with the men's team. Um, And obviously, you know, she coached under Herdman. She's had a longstanding relationship with him, but she was also coaching in England. Um, And for her to step in, and do what she's done, I think, with this squad. And I've said this in the past, but I just, again, I, I, I'm kind of constantly in awe of her abilities. Um, and she's a young coach too, right? Like, oh, there's a lot of good young coaches in football, um, which is great. You need that, right? Like, you want to have, you know, just as much as you want the next generation of players, you want that next generation of coaches. Um, you know, she's in her mid-30s. And... Uh, but to see, to see her her conclusion, her inclusion of young players, her bringing back players that have been out of the fold for a while, like, you know, the people are always going to question coaches and who they bring and who they don't bring and stuff like that. But I do think that for the most part, I I, I I've I've rarely disagreed with her decisions in terms of what she's done, especially as she's been trying to you know, evaluate players because she really hasn't had that long with them. And I just, I I keep forgetting that. So I think it's something that's worth mentioning um, as they go into these critical, you know, eight, nine months before the world cup next year, which as we all know is, is the, is the missing thing um, in the, uh, the XNT's uh, trophy, trophy case, you know, they, they go to the Olympics 
they astound, they, they punch above their weight or they just dominate. They, you know, they play pretty well against top opponents around the world, except for maybe the Americans and so on and so forth, but still, still one of the top teams in the world. And they go to the world cup and they fall to pieces every time. So hopefully this time they do not fall to pieces. That would be nice. I agree. All right, everybody stretch. Let's talk about what we're talking about. Um, there's a couple things here. I'm going to, I'm going to switch the order really briefly um, because we're not going to really talk about the, the USOC final too much, especially if, if Sacramento had won, we would spend a lot more time on this because it would have been awesome that they won, not just because Danny Dikio's, you know, with them, but because Sacramento has been done, been hard done by, and we like them. And they're that team that always just sort of seems to keep having like all these good things happen. And then people keep pulling their rug out from underneath them. And it's really annoying. Also, I'm not a big Orlando fan, so fuck them. Um, I know. Don't tell Will. Hi, Will. Sorry. Hi, Will. Please, please still talk to me. Um, the, the spying scandal, though. Hilarious. It's too funny. I love it. I love, I love that it was such a thing that uh, Sacramento Republic has filed a complaint with the USSF um, that an Orlando City staffer was spying on their training session ahead of the final. Um, and, you know, like that there's film of, of, the, of the incident um, and all of these sort of crazy things. Now, they were, they were training in a park though. Like it wasn't, in a closed environment, but still, like I, I, I guess I don't know. It was they were trying to like block this guy's view, and they asked him to leave, and he wouldn't leave. <laughs> I just like I get. I know the U.S. Open Cup is a big deal, and if someone was trying to like spy, I guess ahead of the Voyagers Cup final, I would be offended too. So I don't know why I'm finding this so funny, but. Um, it's really interesting. And Orlando has been like, yeah, oh yeah, he's one of our staff, but he's, he wasn't there to spy. <laughs> like, but he was there for like almost an hour. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is he just not watching I, them at all? I always love a good, a good spying scandal. You know, we have right? the drone situation. Exactly, the drone stuff. I know. <laughs> and, and my view is sort of like, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. There's an element of that. Uh, but I don't think we can overlook the the fact that this was a, a pretty savvy bit of mind games. Like, you know, there's no way that Orlando City couldn't get all of Sacramento's matches on tape, you know? Yep. Uh, my microphone just died, so I'm going to have to go manual here for a second. Uh, so there's no way that, um, that they couldn't scout them in the traditional in the traditional you know, means of, of scouting an opponent. And so, you know, going to the lengths of having a guy there and causing a bit of fuss and putting that in the, the opponent's mind in the 24 hours before the game, like that's just next level, you know, I don't want to say trolling, but it's it's next level sort of playing the mind games that are played around the the, the, the sport at this sort of level. And so, you know, 
uh, I don't approve of it, but I kind of do in the sense that like this is uh, this is the sort of thing that gets everybody talking. And you know, I don't think I don't think the U.S. Open Cup has gotten this much attention uh, in a while. So uh, that's I'm down. true. <laughs> So, yes, um, Sacramento did ultimately lose 3-0. Mm. But stay tuned for whatever. I'm sure there'll still be fallout because, you know, they're still waiting for the USSF to uh, decide whether or not the complaint is valid. Um, but what we really want to talk about is TFC2. And their rather fantastic season. And Jordan Peruzza. Scoring all the goals suddenly. I'm so glad he's having like a good run. He needs it. Um, but James, one of the other than we love you dearly and we miss you and we love having you on. This has kind of been your beat this season. Like you've definitely, you've obviously been covering uh, the senior team, but you've definitely been uh, right in with, uh, with TFC too. So are they going to tell us, tell, t- give us a little, tell us what you're watching with them. What do you think is like been the difference for them this year? Because it's been a while since we've had a consistent um, baby Reds team. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know where to start. And I think that's probably a good thing, you know, um, the basic situation heading into this, this weekend, which is, you know, the second to last weekend for yeah. the league, is that, uh, you know, they can clinch a playoff spot with a, with a win over Rochester. And that'll be the first time ever that, that TFC2 has reached the postseason in whatever league they're in. They have a game in hand and a two-point lead. And, you know, there's a couple of different permutations that they might be able to clinch with a draw. But, you know, if you look back at the year, it was a bit of a slow start. And then they sort of caught fire midway through the season it was actually a pretty heavy defeat to chicago 6-2 at home uh that sort of began that and it, it sort of uh something switched in the guys minds and i think if i had to sum up the team in uh succinctly it would be it would be that they're a they're a group that that has a, an awful lot of resilience in them the, one of the things that's been marvelous about them this year is that you know when the other team scores they that almost excites them. That maybe excites not the right word, but that that lights a fire in them. And and the number of times that they've responded quickly, like you can just take their their performance against Miami on the weekend. They they're up one nothing early. They sort of faded out of the game a little bit and had a couple of chances to bury Miami and and ended up wasting those. And, and Miami scores a, an equalizer in like the 70th minute or something like that. And that just that just woke them up. You know, before you know it, TFC's back at, back ahead, and they add two more uh, as the game rounds out for a four-one win. And four-one was, you know, it's probably not not a, a fair description of the game, but it, it kind of was in the sense that Toronto had the majority of the chances, and and they earned that victory. And and Johnny Chimini in his first year as as the head coach mm-hmm. has has really found a way to to engage all the guys now. You know, it's always tricky when, when you're with a, uh, a young team like this, like getting those minutes is so important. And and there are a lot of members on the squad that maybe haven't gotten as many minutes as you want, but he's found some way to, to the way that he talks about it is there are starters and there are finishers. And so there are guys who, 
who are in the starting lineup. And just because you're not in there doesn't mean that you don't have a role. And I think Rashawn Walks is, is a, a really good in, in example of that in the sense that he's not a guy who's gotten a ton of starts. I'm just looking at the, the stat sheet right now. He's played 326 minutes over 14 appearances. You know, that's, that's not a lot of starts. Yep. But the man has five goals in those 326 minutes. And so he's a guy that comes on and gives everything he has. And, and the goal that he scored on the weekend, if I'm remembering correctly, was just such a wonderful individual effort. And so it's a team that's made up of guys like that. Like we can, we can go through the list and, you know, I think the first guy that I have to talk about is, is Kobe Franklin. And, you know, at the end of last season where TFC two just missed out on making the playoffs, he and Luca Petrasso were the two guys that I thought were, were most ready to make the jump to the first team. And so, I was a little bit surprised when Kosey Thompson got the nod ahead of him. Kosey's, uh, you know, a couple of years older. He's a little bit more physically mature, and that might have been something that they were thinking about because Kobe's, you know, 17 or 18, and he's still pretty slight. Um, he only has one goal and no assists this year, but that that does not accurately portray just how important of a player he is. He's, he's almost like a box-to-box midfielder from the fullback position. And the number of times that that you see him just driving forward and eating up a ton of ground and getting the team into the final third to make something happen has been one of the trademarks of the team. And on the other side of the field, you have Femi Antonoglu, who, who oh. signed with the first team and, and does does the same thing on that side. And he's been a little bit more directly involved. He's got four goals himself, four assists. Uh, Paul I always notice him when he's playing. He's He's been a lot of fun to watch. Femi or Paul? Paul. Well, Paul's just a, he's a bundle of energy. I mean, I've got a lot of time for the guy. He's, he's a good talker, which is something that in my business you, you appreciate. And, uh, <laughs> he's one of those guys that uh, you hate to say it, but if he had two or three more inches on him, there, he'd already be an MLS. Yeah. You kind of have to think he's, he's a, a savvy finisher. He's smart about the game. He's constantly willing to learn and he's constantly willing to look for ways to improve himself. And, you know, I could keep going through the list of guys here. You know, Hugo Mbong's been a been he's a bit of a, an interesting character to try and figure out. He's a really quiet guy. The the one interview we did, it was it was pretty short and precise answers. But and you look at him and he's such a big body, you expect him to be a really physical a physical target man. But that's not really the kind of guy that he is. He's he's a real silky attacker. He's got more assists than he has goals, which is yeah. always uh, always something that makes you makes you take a second look at a guy. I can keep going through the list. I'm, I'm leaving out a number of guys who have been super important, but one of the marked differences that I think Johnny Chimini's managed is one of the, one of the hurdles with the second team is you always have two goals. You know, you're always trying to win for, for your own sake in the sense that that's why you compete, but you're also trying to develop players and, Exactly. And one of the things that you have to balance with that is is accommodating the first team, and, and the second team is there to support the first team. And so, when Jordan Peruzza needs minutes, when Caden Chung needs minutes, you have to you have to put your guys find space. Are, yeah, yeah, you have to put your guys to the side and give them those minutes. And one of the tricky things in the past has been when guys come down, you know, in, in quotation marks, they're not always super pleased about it. You know, but the attitude that we've seen from Peruzza, from Caden Chung, from Ralph Prizo when they were down there uh, was just fantastic. And, you know, I could I could rattle off uh, the rest of the names on the roster, but but I'll just say that 
you know, they got a big game on Saturday. They got a couple of games next week to round out the season, and it looks like they're playoff bound. So it's going to be something to keep an eye on. It's so exciting. Like I, I'm truly like just delighted for them, and to have not just because it's nice to have something you know positive to talk about in TFC land. It's not that there's no positives at all, but yeah, we've been watching whatever a version of this team for so long and yeah like as you see like it's so often it's just been treated as like an ad hoc taxi squad right and rotate players in and out and it was often treated as punishment you know when tfc2 used to play after the senior team you know guys that either didn't get enough minutes or screwed up in the in the in the mls match oh no you're still playing you're you're with the kids now and you'd see them having to go play again. Um, and, you know, they lose coaches, they get coaches, they lose heads of the academy. Like, it's just, I'm hopeful, as I always am, when there's youth development within this club, that this is not a flash in the pan in terms of the focus, in terms of, you know, building that sense of, um camaraderie and cohesion as much as you can when you are a team that yes still is developing players for the senior team and is rehabbing senior team players that sort of thing but that still has its own identity um, and still has the better kits to this day um, but anyway it's it's lovely and I'm super excited for them um, and you can watch their games their games are available James how can they watch their games uh, every game is live streamed at uh, MLS Next Pro at their website, and it's uh, it's a little tricky to navigate at times, but poke around a bit, you'll find it. Uh, the club, the TFC2 Twitter account also tweets out the links, so you can go from there. And the TFC2 Twitter account is pretty good about tweeting their matches as well, like throughout the match, so... Yeah, Andy, Andy's come on board, and he's done a pretty good job of... Uh, of live tweeting the games. He uh, brings a good energy to the team. He, I think he's in charge of the, the photography as well. So nice. uh, yeah, it's, it's something to keep an eye on. Now we turn our attention to what's coming up this week. And um, well, we've already talked about what TFC two are, com- are, are coming up against and that's Rochester on uh, is that Saturday, James? Saturday or Sunday? I sort of live life one day at a time. Let me just double check. I'm pretty sure it's Saturday, but I'm going to pull this up just so I don't lead people astray. It is Sunday. Sunday at 3 p.m. The game was originally scheduled for 5, but it's been moved forward to 3 p.m. at York Lions Stadium. There we go. Okay. That's against against, uh, uh, Jamie Vardy FC. Yes. Oh my goodness, that's correct. Yes. Bench player for Leicester at the moment. (laughs) I don't know what's going on there. Um, Drama in the EPL. Anyway, so watch that if you get a chance, because they're like, what else are you doing Sunday afternoon? Come on. Um, Because EPL is going to be canceled this weekend, guys. You need to find other things to do. You'll figure it out. Yeah, Japanese league's going to be on. Exactly. Hello. Mm. Um, so, uh, 
the two the two big matches uh, in KPL. And again, there's there's four every weekend because again, only eight teams. But you've got the Wanderers hosting the Grey Mice, and uh, the Atleti hosting the Aquaman. These are it's whether or not Winnipeg can keep winning and hang on to their spot. And if Pacific can still find, if they can find another gear, you know, if they've, 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 they've had, they've had rest now, you know, like they're hopefully by now they are rested and maybe some players are, you know, recovered from some knocks and things and maybe they've had a little more cohesive training or something. Um, but those are the two matches that I'm going to be keeping uh, an eye on this weekend, just because I think they're the most, I think they're the most interesting ones um, that are coming up for the, for the four uh, on the weekend. Although I think when do forge forge are playing Saturday night, uh, Saturday afternoon Saturday. against the horses against, against cavalry. How can you overlook that classic fixture? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm Friday afternoon. Okay, so I think, I think the thing um, is uh, Saturday afternoon at two. So you're doing the catch up thing. I think the thing you're looking forward to is how many times uh, Escalante hits the ground. Now, if you are the type of person <laughs> looking for a game to get into because you don't watch a lot of KPL, make it a drinking game. <laughs> that boy is more horizontal than he is vertical. It's I don't have amazing. that much beer in my fridge, and I have a lot of beer in my fridge. It's uh, yeah, I'm. I think if there was a gambling house that was willing to put a line as to how many times he would eat, he would hit the turf. I would wander over there and place a cheeky dollar just because I said I, just because I could. Um, and it would be over. The answer's always over. So, uh, yeah. There's that game too, but these ones that you're um, watching are, yeah, they're, they're games as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the Pacific uh, Otletti match is uh, Sunday afternoon. It does overlap slightly um, with TFC two, but you know you can manage two screens. It'll be fine. Um, and so both of those matches, and, and you, yes, you know, like Hamilton up against Cal, you know Calgary, like that's also a big deal. You know, like longstanding rivals. They're two and three right now. So anyway. This is this is the time when everything gets very exciting and fun, and there's all to play for. And anyway, watch try try to watch a KMPL match this weekend. Again, there's no EPL, so you have time. Um, you can sleep in a little bit. You don't have to get up and watch the seven a.m. match. It's okay. Um, watch them watch them have the matches this weekend. No, there's no fucking way they'll cancel it. There's not a chance in hell. Um, all right, TFC. Head into Atlanta this weekend. Oh, Atlanta, girl. Um, team we don't like very much. No. For lots of very good and valid reasons. Very good reasons. Um, and they are okay this year. Um, they've had their share of, of problems. They, uh, yeah, they they just they 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 this 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 team they're almost Miami-esque in the way they flounder as an organization. Um <laughs> but, but like, but like am I wrong? Not Do you know far, what I mean? No. Like it's 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 close. It's close. Um, it's, it's, it's Miami without the success that one time. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, or with the success that one time. Yeah. So you, I, we, we knew what we meant. Yeah, they're 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 just below they're just below Toronto in the standings, um, and they're basically they're, they're basically the same team. You know, they they let in more goals than they score, but it's still like it's it's a very close goal differential. They're both shit on the road, not bad at home. Um, it's 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 there's a lot of similarities in terms of where they what their ultimate, you know, stats are right now in the league. Um, Toronto still feels like the less chaotic team of the two mm. um, because I Toronto for its issues does, I believe, and I all pretty much always believe this have like a point and a plan, even when it doesn't go right. Um, Atlanta always feels very reactionary and like they're just reeling from thing to thing. And the thing they're reeling from right now is Joseph Martinez, who is suspended for the week for conduct unbecoming as a player, as a teammate or whatever. What, what, what did they say in the article? What is it? Anyway, he's in trouble. He, he's a bad boy. Um, now, James, you may have heard more of this because you're more tuned into the league scuttlebutt than we are. What's the situation with the taco table? What did he do? Um, well. Oh, wait, hold on. Flipping over a table full of chicken and rice in the locker room. It's one of the things he's been suspended for. But what else have you heard? Tell us. Come on. No, no, that's, that's all that I've heard is sort oh. of um, the, the long-seated thing is, is sort of that, you know, he's – he's become such a, so much the face of the franchise that he, he seems to sort of, you know, be able to speak to the frustrations of the group internally. You know, they had that, that terrible spell under uh, the Argentine coach whose, whose name I forgot, Gabriel Heinze. Yep. Um, and since then, since then the team has, I think the way that I would put it is that once you've found success, it's, it can be, almost harder to replicate it than it was to find it in the first place, if you know what I mean. And so mm-hmm. for, a, for a team that, that came into the league and hit the ground running and reached the heights that they did, anything not like that is going to feel like a step backwards. And so, you know, Joseph Martinez is running sort of battle with the front office is, a, is I think an embodiment of a team that's, that's, going through some growing pains, you know, and you never want to see, you know, chicken and rice wasted. But uh, Oh, seriously. That's, that's... But sometimes you just got to flip a table over. And so, you know, if, if, if that's what Joseph thinks was the right thing to do in that moment to sort of express his frustration and, and the club's frustration, and who knows, maybe that's a turning point for them and they close the season out with a bunch of wins. Like sports is funny like that. So, uh, you know, I, it probably would have been better if he didn't, but you know, for TFC, it's always good when a player of his caliber is not available for a game. So now I think that's probably all I'd say about, him. <laughs> but you know, uh, <laughs> uh, that desire to win and that fiery competitiveness that made him one of the most dangerous strikers in the league is also the thing that causes you to flip chicken and rice from a table. Okay. So, no, 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 Joseph Martinez, who has again long been a thorn in TFC's 
FC's side because again, he's very talented. Um, and he does tend to, you know, have a, a, an influence on any game which he's played. And, and then obviously they do better when he's not there. Um, so normally this would just be like general cause for celebration. If not for the fact that TFC is about to be missing a whole bunch of players. So a note came out today. Um, James, were you at training today? No, I wasn't there physically, but I okay. listened to the audio and I'm, I'm up to date on all of okay. the going on. Yes. So Lorenzo Insigne um, has a, a family issue. So he is staying home. Crescito, I guess they, I forget that they are very good friends, um, or apparently they're very good friends, has also stayed behind to support his friend and their family. And then there was talk that Bernadeschi was also maybe not, had also, might not travel. Um, I don't so, think, let me just... Uh, yeah, please, think, please, please. I don't think any of that had any bearing per se on who would be traveling to Atlanta or not. I think the the remarks were in regards to Insigne and Crescito were not at training today. Okay, because the way it was presented was that they were not going to Atlanta. Oh, okay. Maybe I, maybe I need to read more closely. But um, Bob was asked specifically, you know, are any of those players going to be available for you on the weekend? And he wouldn't say no that they would not be available. Okay. So, you know, today's Thursday. The team travels tomorrow. There's there's a bit of time to see how things work out. Okay. Right now, we're sort of in that gray area of they were not at training today. And um, what that means going forward, we're sort of a little bit in the dark. Uh, Bernardeschi was apparently doing some stuff inside, which given the amount of work that he's been... Uh, no kidding. Yeah, maybe just therapy. On. Yeah. Yeah, it... it having a guy miss out on the on-field stuff so he could have a bit of an extended recovery isn't isn't uh, that unusual. I'm just looking at, at John Molinaro's Twitter. It says, uh, I, miss, I, miss, I misread his tweet. I just looked at yeah. it right now, too. I misread it. I apologize for yeah, yeah. So, so disseminating for, misinformation. Yeah, so what it means for the weekend, we don't really know. Now, would it be understandable that an, a family situation is... Oh, trumps everything. Of course hours? it does, yeah. yes. So, uh, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, it would be a pretty big blow to the team, given how how important all three of those players have been. But I, mm -hmm. I'm always, I'm always, I sort of wait, wait for things to be fact before I worry about them too much. You know? Fair, fair. Um, but we still, we don't think that uh, Osorio will be involved, right? I'd be surprised, but again, given given sort of the, the lack of clarity around exactly what's going on, mm -hmm. um, who knows? You know, it sounds like the one thing that we can say is that, you know, Mark Anthony K made his return against Montreal, so it seems like he's good to go. So that's uh, that's the and only that's thing I would, I would confirm, you know? Well, that is very good positive news as far as I'm concerned because I think he has been sorely missed. All right, so they're going to Atlanta. As we said, both teams not doing great this year. Uh, neither team mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. 
as of yet. Um, and Atlanta missing Joseph Martinez, Toronto, not sure who they may or may not be missing, except for probably Jonathan Osorio. Um, before we do players to watch, et cetera, I do have, I do have a question that is, that relates back to, um, something that we talked about earlier on. And that is, um, the, the goalkeeping situation with Toronto FC. Now, one of the reasons that Bono has been playing, not, not, and this is not, Q had been playing and had been playing decently. Um, we all know that of the two of the two keepers, obviously I'm a big fan of Quentin Westberg. I think he's the better keeper. He's the less athletic. I just think he's the better keeper. Um, but he's injured. He, he cracked a rib and you can't really be a goalkeeper with um, rib issues. So he is, however, healed from the looks of it. Um, he was out. He was the, he was the substitute keeper for the last uh, two matches. Um, I watched him on Wednesday night, take, you know, part in warmups and everything very acrobatically and very actively um, all seems to be well there. Do you think there is a chance that he starts in net this weekend? Oh yeah. Of course, there's a chance. I think that we probably would have seen Q, you know, a couple of weeks ago if he had been ready to go just because, you know, without getting into the whole goalkeeping situation conversation as we wrap the show up here, I think one of the risks of having two number one goalkeepers is that you have no number one goalkeeper. Yep. You know, and, and the benefit of that is that you can kind of ride the hot hand. And I think that, um, you know, Alex has had some struggles this year. And I think the natural response there would be to give your other number one goalkeeper a chance. So I wouldn't be shocked. You know, Q's had some uh, some good times down at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So yes, I also wouldn't, true. I wouldn't be surprised if if that's a change that we see. But at the same time, I wouldn't. I wouldn't, you know, chalk it up to any one goal allowed or anything like that. It's it's uh, more of a bigger picture thing. Oh than... no, and I'm I'm looking at it more of a bigger picture thing. Like 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 you said, I think had Q had Q not gotten injured, he'd still be playing. I think is because he's been out for. He's been out for for a good spell. I don't. I think you'd sort of see. You know, I think a coach or there would have been ride. more of an opportunity for both of them to play because they had that compressed schedule for a while. So anyway, yeah, I, I think, think that's, there's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I think there's I think there's a good opportunity, a good chance that we see him play this weekend. You know, for for you know for whatever reason, I I think. Anyway, and we'll talk about on another show um, the fact that TFC will be getting a new goalkeeper for next season. And I will be shocked if they don't. Um, Bill Hamid. Oh, please. Please, oh, please. Q, I love you, but oh, my God. Um, all right. Player to watch for this one. Obviously not Joseph Martinez. Although, given my propensity to, for picking somebody that scores goals, Alistair Johnston. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? Uh, That's insane. Like, when that he, was so, when he so scored, annoying. I was like, yep, that makes sense. Assholes. <laughs> Like, I, I was just... Now, why now? now. I know, honestly. So I, I should probably pick Joseph Martinez just because. That way he can't do any harm. 
Let me see. Let me continue looking at the list. You guys, you guys go before me. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I mean, the re- my legit answer is Tiago Almada. Um, mm. He's, he's to me the bigger, the bigger threat that isn't Martinez. Super creative player. Yeah, but also jerk. I want to shine a light on Dom Dwyer. I was waiting for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, for those of you who are unaware, Dom Dwyer played for Toronto FC last year. Uh, you couldn't hear the air quotes there because it's suspect that he did. Um, in 14 games last year, totaling 493 minutes, he had a staggering zero goals. Um, he's played uh, 80% of those minutes and has four for Atlanta. So um, it's ridiculous. And, and only one start. That's the crazy part. He's got one start and four goals. He had six starts and no goals. So, um, granted, last year's version of Toronto FC, much different. But it's still Dom Dwyer. And the fact that he's doing okay makes me sad inside. So, yep. Tiago Almada, but Dom Dwyer. Yeah, I was going to mention our old friend Dom. Um, he seems to have uh, found his game a little bit more this year. Uh, I might still mention Joseph Martinez because, I mean, if you're flipping tables over behind the scenes, what are you going to do when you're up in one of the private boxes? <laughs> uh, but I think the one I'd have to go is, is Luis Araujo. He's, uh, he's a bundle of, of talent, and some of the things you see him attempt and pull off, it's, mm-hmm. it's always fun to watch a player like that, even if they're uh, playing for the other team. And, uh, you know, Quentin Westberg's a guy who, who loves the game more than more than anybody. And uh, I, when we spoke to him about Luis, he was a guy that he'd been following from his time in Lille. And uh, he enjoyed watching him. So uh, I take yeah. that with a, with a high recommendation. That, yeah, that's one of the interesting things, actually. Uh, sorry, just to flip back to Westbrook, really, is he's, he's, such a, he's such a student of the game and of players from everywhere. Like, the man's knowledge is quite immense. Yeah, just a, would, a, a funny aside to that. One time I... I made the mistake of, of phrasing a question to Q a little bit awkwardly. And I, I asked, I, I began it with something like, you know, I know you're a goalkeeper, but what's sort of going on with the team's lack of goal scoring right now? And he, he made me repeat it. And, uh, and he has a very holistic view of the game. So he, he didn't appreciate that I was keeping a goal out of the team's goal scoring wolves because he thought that he had a role to play in it as well. And so, yeah, he's, he's very much a guy who, who loves his football and who has a, a pretty expansive view of the game. So, yeah. I just, yeah, it's, I, I love, I love goalkeepers brains. Do you know what I mean? Like they're all, I, they're just very interesting. They're a different breed and it's great. Um, well, I really, I, it, for probably because because his his name makes me think that he's a he's a frat boy, um, Brooks Lennon, um, a well off frat boy, but he's a really solid defender, um, fullback who really does get involved in the game a lot. And considering um, a lot of Toronto's transition uh, defense has been a little sus. Um, he's someone that I definitely think. Uh, has to be uh, someone that they pay attention to. Um, he's a right fullback, um, so you should see some interesting 
uh, interactions uh, on that wing um, with with Richie probably. Um, so and that's always a fun thing, except for well, mostly a fun thing. But yeah, so he's uh, and he's a young guy. Um, so, uh, but he's he's played uh, a fair bit um, for them this season. Um, sort of worked his way uh, into the starting lineup pretty consistently. I uh, scored a couple. It's got some assists. I know I shouldn't be picking anybody that scores goals or has any assists at all. I should be picking this Ambrose character who's only played twice and has done nothing, but has a great that, passing percentage. Just to add a little bit to it, if I'm not mistaken, Brooks Lennon picked up an injury when Atlanta came to Toronto earlier in the year because he slipped on the padding at the side of the, of the field. And so this might be a game that he sort of got circled on his calendar a little bit. Oh, dear God. Oh, okay. Abort, abort. Who else can I pick? <laughs> Wait, they have a Jay Conway. Hold on. This guy's first name is John. I'm going to laugh. Oh, it's Jackson. Jackson Conway. Um, oh, from Leeds. He's only played three times. He's a puppy. Um, he's like 20 years old. So anyway, but I'll stick with Brooks Lennon just because I've already said it. So, so when he scores, everybody, I am sorry. Uh, speaking of the score, score predictions, gentlemen. Man, three one Toronto. They're gonna they're gonna go absolutely bonkers and run roughshod and make their stupid little stadium that looks like a butthole uh, silent. I like it. I like the energy there. I'm Thank just going to go with a, a 2-1 TFC win, uh, responding to the disappointment of the Montreal defeat and extending the agony of what could have been possible a little bit longer for us. I, uh, in a similar vein with uh, my esteemed colleague, Mr. Grassi, 2-1 Toronto. Um, yeah, I think they uh, are definitely going to be looking to rebound strong after that match, and they do love to go into Atlanta and cause problems. So I think... I think this is definitely a win on the books. All right. Look at us ending this show all positive. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> because it is, believe it or not, the end of our show. And you could wonder how three people can talk so much. But if you've never listened to a show, when it's the three of us, we should put warnings. Um, anyway, I would like to thank Mr. James Grossi for joining us as our guest panelist. Uh, it has been a delight, as always, sir. Awesome. Classing up the joint as usual, sir. Seriously, I know. No, no, no wrestling references. No, no, Yet. very little innuendo. Yet. Like. <laughs> He's got time. Not much, That's but true. he has time. That's true. No dinerotica threads this time. Ooh, that was all your fault, Mr. James. Hats. Um, How about your hat sells. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so that has been our show for this week um thank you to you two for for joining me the other two whatever they can go crying their teeth um i'm not even gonna mention them so to be found out there on the twitters at grossie g-a-r-w-s-e-e mr james grossie Thank you very much for having me on. It's a, a pleasure as always. And I look forward to our end of season analysis, eight hour extravaganza. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna live broadcast not, that one. <laughs> not lying. That's not a lie. It's really not. Uh, to be found on the tweet machines at Kit Nerd Mark with a K, not a cute Mr. Mark Hinkley. 
thank you to everybody for your continuous support of our podcast. We absolutely appreciate it. We have shirts. They are on a Zazzle shop that you can find the link on our website. Um, and and I, again, I would like to appeal to anybody who would like to help us get our YouTube channel a little bit more fledgling. Uh, and uh, please go head over to YouTube and look for Vocal Minority Podcast. It's the same show that you're hearing uh, just on YouTube. Nothing's nothing out of the ordinary. No video, uh, but uh, we could we, we, if we could get our uh, subscription list up to up into the hundred. That would be lovely. So we can not have a ridiculous string of letters and numbers or whatever the hell it is uh, for our channel. And just be slash vocal minority pod or whatever we decide. Thank you. <laughs> I'll send out a link. Lovely. Uh, as for me, you can find me on the internet. Yes, the entire internet at KZ Knowles. I have been your host, Kristen Knowles. And until next week, Canada, get used to it. <laughs>